TCU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome in to this Tuesday edition of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. We're now three days removed from East Carolina's loss to Marshall inside Daddy Ficklin Stadium. We are still going to recap that, discuss that, dive deeper into what went wrong. We're going to recap also more of your questions, your comments. we still got several to get through on social media. We are live streaming on YouTube and Facebook this morning on Tuesday morning, September 12th. Of course, we're live on the radio, 943thegame.com at 12 noon as well in our normal time slot. Uh, but we're going early today. We'll go early every Tuesday throughout the season because of the Mike Houston press conference scheduled for 1130 each Tuesday of game week. And so we'll do this each and every Tuesday. And we got Joey Football, Joseph Sampson, back in studio with us on this Tuesday. And uh, his New York Jets won last night on Monday Night Football. We discussed it Friday. Philip Pilkington and I had the Bills winning. But the Jets, despite losing their franchise quarterback, uh, somehow pull out the win. So mixed mix feelings for you? Uh, it's like a snake bite, I guess is the best way to describe it. it it's... Fine in the interim, as far as you think about it, but as it gets farther and farther away from the incident, you start to feel the pain. Um, it's difficult. It's mixed emotions for sure. I mean, such an emotionally charged night for so many different right. reasons for New York. And then to come out with a win like that in overtime for the basically the second Meadowlands miracle, I'm going to declare it because I don't want to call it the MetLife miracle. I refuse. Um, Wait, there's already been two miracles in the Meadowlands. Well, yeah. So it would be the third. Well, this is the first of the Jets, so I was giving That's one true. and one. Yeah, there you go. Okay. But yeah, this yeah. would be the third. That's why it'd be the MetLife miracle. But I'm not doing that. I'm not a corporate sellout. All right. Hey, Philip, see if we can get uh, – we got some comments, audio, and YouTube not coming through uh, at this point. See if we can figure that out. But um, at least we're just talking Jets and not Pirates yet. So I've been we'll, muted we'll already. We'll stall a little bit. Uh, it's, I think uh, I got it fixed. Okay. I'm 95% sure. Let me, uh, let me pull this up and see. Yeah. Real Amateur quick. move out here. Yeah, it's nine thirty. You know, I'm not awake yet. Not the morning guy. He, it's an early start, yeah. so I understand. You were just up so late watching the New York Jets. I was. That's actually what I was doing. Hey, I do want to remind you one thing, Joe. While I was checking that, yeah, the last time the an AFC East team lost like their franchise quarterback due to an injury, that was like Drew Bledsoe going down, right? And we it saw was. how that worked out for the Patriots. So you know, maybe Zach Wilson's. Tom, right, okay, never mind. I can't can, say it with a straight face. No, can I get, can I get public hard. response real quick, though? <laughs> yeah. Tom Brady, please. You have the opportunity to do the funniest thing of all time. Come out just, of retirement? Just come out of retirement, <laughs> come win a ring for the Jets, and just, I mean, establish it that you are just never going to be touched as the greatest of all time. Go get your eighth. Just go ahead. I mean, why not? Why not? The Jets have the defense to do it. He Literally. doesn't have to do too much. Just stand in the pocket and not tear his Achilles. And, Just uh, make Garrett Wilson look like prime Randy Moss. Just go ahead. We had that discussion about turf last week, and Aaron Rodgers tears his Achilles probably partly due to turf. But uh, all right, now that we got audio working, thanks, Philip, for straightening that out. Uh, let's talk Pirates. If, you, if you're just tuning in or if you couldn't hear, we have not dove into ECU Marshall yet because we were – too busy talking about Joey Football's uh, New York Jets and their success. 
But uh, disappointing loss Saturday. We were both in the press box, Joey. Um, your your first time taking in a live <laughs> game up top, yeah. and not on the sidelines. So uh, we we both had several thoughts throughout the game, but really got away from ECU in the fourth quarter. They end up losing thirty one to thirteen. Marshall scores twenty one unanswered, basically a reverse of twenty twenty one. And uh, disappointing loss. Just kind of get your overall takes before we dive in deeper. We talked about it in the box, and it just kind of seemed like we went too conservative too early. I mean, anytime you hold a lead, you want to hold the lead or you want to expand upon the lead, and that's what you do as a football player or a coach. But you can't do it up 13-10, especially when there's two quarters to play, when you're going into halftime and they're getting the ball because they've deferred to the second half, so then they've got the momentum of it as far as coming out of the kickoff and then the huge delay. It just kind of seemed like the foot came off the gas too much, and instead of trying to coast through the finish line, we hit the break of the red light and didn't blow through it and go win. Um, it's kind of difficult to say, especially because Garcia had a fantastic first half. I mean, we'll get into that later, but it just kind of seemed like coaching towards the back half of it limited what he could do and what was working well with all the quarterback runs and just the ability for him to play out of the pocket. Uh, and then all of a sudden, quarterback gets a chance to have some actual open reads when Flynn comes in. So I don't know if that was a play-calling thing or just the the look being correct, but something was kind of off there that all of a sudden Flynn comes in and every receiver's open. It was interesting that we saw Garcia have the big run, and he had some – it seemed like there was a stretch of two, three series where it was a ton of design quarterback mm-hmm. runs and the offense opened up, and then they went away from that. Uh, yeah. You know, is that trying to keep him safe? You know, you, you, know you can't – run him 15, 20 times a game realistically. Uh, but you do have Flynn, and if you're struggling to run the ball and throw it uh, traditionally, then maybe you stick with that, try to score another touchdown. Because if you get a 20 to 10, you know, then you, you feel pretty good in a game like that. Yeah, if you score at any point, whatever you want to do. I mean, we saw the 32 personnel, which is a special shout-out to me and Phillip because we love old-school <laughs> football. And then the Shane Calhoun touchdown, the dance was way better this year. Much better. Much better. Um you have a completely different ball game if you can score again after that. And all of a sudden, you've had one touchdown the entire night, and you're trading field goals back and forth. Maybe stick with what works until they have to stop it. And it just kind of seemed like they were so concerned about Marshall being able to stop the quarterback run that they just kind of got away from it without it being kind of answered. So 13-10, to 10, ECU has the ball in Marshall territory. They missed the field goal, and then you end up pinning them back. Or you get the ball back in good mm-hmm. field position. Then you have a holding penalty. By the way, Shane Calhoun goes out of the game with an injury. Very next play, freshman tight end gets called for a hold. You know that's kind of a, that was a huge play in the game because mm-hmm. you're right on the verge of I think it was like second and medium. Yeah, and you it was a nice little play. Uh, it could have been third and short. Instead, holding. Then you get a hands to the face. All of a sudden, you're punting from your own forty. They go on and score instead of you scoring. So. Just a huge sequence, and we can get into, and we've already talked about why the offense needs to score more, but they did have a chance there to really, if you go score on those drives, kind of take control of the game. They just you know, failed to do that at that point. Yeah, the double pass kind of takes the wind out of all the sails, and Houston said that in the conference or the press conference that they have the right defense call for that, and they were aware of it. So just kind of terrible timing, especially because as a player they always tell you watch for the big play watch for the screen the shot play once you come off the field on a big turnover like that yeah and a young freshman you know cornerback playing for the first time uh they were in quarters coverage and he just kind of left his man and yeah it was a tough you know tough scenario 
but, you know, defense made their mistakes, but also they were on the field a lot. The offense, Joe, just really, just through two games, has not done much of anything. Um, one touchdown drive, and that was courtesy of Jeremy Lewis and Chad Stevens. So what, what do you make of this offense right now? And I want to I want to say, look, Michigan's got a top 10 defense. Marshall last year had a top 20 defense. So it's not like they're playing bad teams, but they mm-hmm. should look better than what they're looking like. So what, what do you make of where this offense is right now? It seems to be a tale of two halves. And Michigan's a difficult game to kind of judge upon. And we saw how that kind of played out with just the physicality and the way they were able to keep the ball within the hashes, essentially. I mean, they didn't even get out to the wing when they were playing Michigan. But started to go to a lot more outside zone and those outside hit plays. And Marshall started to kind of squeeze it in. And it seemed like we were so reliant on trying to keep them spread out as opposed to just running up the middle that we just kind of gave them a couple. And Mason makes a bad read, trying to make a play, trying to get them down the field to win the game and just kind of gives them a free one, which punches in their second touchdown of the three that we mentioned are kind of unanswered. So the offense needs to wake up. And it's not necessarily that the players need to wake up. It's the coaches. It's the understanding of the game plan. It's the analysis of the defense. And you can sit here at any point the day after a game and talk about, oh, well, they could have done this, or if they saw this, they should have done this. But it's anticipation. So as a player, you kind of know that going in, but you still want to capitalize on mistakes. And Marshall busted four or five coverages where there was two or three guys wide open on the seams that they just couldn't get to because he's thrown from his back. And any time a quarterback's throwing from their back, it's going to be a long day. What What do you feel like the conversations are right now? Because uh, to me, uh, from the outside looking in, mm-hmm. when, when it looks this bad, like everybody's got to look in the mirror and and ask how can I do better. From the coaches down to the players, you know that means quarterback, running back, receiver, lineman. I touched on yesterday the Pro Football Focus rankings. ECU ranks dead last out of 133 teams in receiving receiving grade through two games so like the receivers got to step up the o-line ranks pretty low as well so everybody's got to step up the play calling i think has to be better they got to put them in better uh situations to uh succeed so do you feel like it's a top down situation offensively oh 100 percent. and i'll tell you the first thing that mike houston does is he closes the door and he rips every single coach a new one because that's just the way that that program runs and that's it's a top down thing so it starts at the top he'll be like this is on me i have to be better prepared for these situations we have to be better prepared and so on and so forth all the way down to the GAs who are getting yelled at because they didn't have this film for this play with this concept and that's just that's how football is so you can't put too much weight into that obviously as the media we're going to freak out and we're going to say it's all over like everything should be gone donnie should be fired <laughs> And whatnot, but we're, we're in the Donnie K cycle right now. Normally we start out hot, we go a lull in the middle of the year, he wakes back up, and we average 35 points a game towards the end of the season. We're just in a lull of what it normally is. It's kind of like the cycle for, I'm sure Philip will get this one, Frenchie Cordero, where he plays like Barry Bonds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then he just flattens out, goes to AAA, comes back, plays like Barry Bonds. We're just in a cycle. It's a repeated thing. Uh, play calling has to improve because... At the end of the day, you need to know what your strengths are, and the strengths right now are not the receiving core. We've got balls dropped in contested situations. We've got open drops. We've got lack of understanding of route concepts. So we've got two corners in the same spot, and that's never going to get you guys open. So it makes it hard for the first thing we do is judge Mason, but you can't judge Mason if the read's not there. So if two receivers run the same route and he's supposed to go to the hitch and there's no hitch to throw, he's got to take off and run. So... It's a lot more complicated than most people would see, and they see it on TV. They're like, oh, he's got to throw it to the open guy. Thank you for that. 
there wasn't really many open receivers on Saturday. Like, I mean, there no. were a couple that Mason missed, but like honestly, watching it up top, mm-hmm. and we're pretty high up there. Like, guys are blanketed; nobody's yeah. getting much separation. We're at the same height level as the coaches, so whatever we see is what the coaches are seeing. Obviously, there might be a little more kind of rain man action right. where they can see things moving differently that we can't. But we can see the same height, and there was four or five throws that Mason made into extremely tight windows that are like next level throws that unfortunately they didn't come down with or just great play by defense because it's such a tight situation. So there's got to be a, a ton more separation for the receivers also. Uh, Michael on Facebook says, do you feel like, do we feel like Coach Houston has the ability to self-reflect on style of play and adjust if this continues all year? I mean, I, I feel like, yes. I mean, I think in the yeah. past they've, They've started 0-2 before in 21, and they mm-hmm. made some adjustments. And I think there's been other years they've started slow and have adjusted, got it going, and then, like you said, hit that lull. Right. Uh, and then so it does feel like this staff can adjust and has mm-hmm. adjusted. Now this year may be a different animal because you're still trying to figure out your Id- offensive identity overall. Yeah, and Houston's offensive identity, everywhere he's been, whether it was Citadel, Lenore Ryan when he was back in D2, or James Madison, it was always running the football. And that's what we're seeing now. The difference is we just don't have the home run hitter yet. And I think Bond will turn into that threat as he gets more experience under his belt and he understands where the cut's going to be or if he needs to kind of bounce it backside to get over top of the safety. But right now it's just kind of throwing stuff at a wall and seeing what sticks. And that's not what you want to say in the third week of the season. But before people freak out here, it's only non-conference. We're not into the conference games yet. Obviously, you would have loved to beat Marshall. You would have loved to beat App State, but your season is not determined on the first four games. Well, you'd love to beat App State. You're already calling Saturday a loss. Dang, I mean, yeah. you're, you're smiling. I'm just telling you how it is. I mean, I'll be the first one to say, like, you'd love to go in 4 and 0 to conference, but you can go 0 and 4 in your non conference, win eight of your conference games, and go 8 and 4 and still play for the conference title. Doesn't happen a whole lot, but it's possible. No, it doesn't, but there's hypotheticals here, Stephen. And I do feel like Coach Houston's teams usually get better throughout the season. Yeah. Um, and so, like, look, I, I, and later in the show we're going to talk about why this this team can still be a good good team and turn mm-hmm. around. And, uh, you look at the offense, you have the quarterback situation, you have the offensive losses from a personnel standpoint, but you got a new O-line coach, you got a new outside receivers coach, you got a new tight ends coach. Obviously he was with the team last year, but stepping into a new role. So, like, it's not just the personnel, but you got the coaches. And you can see it. On game day, it's still a, a mess. Like, I call it a mess. Like, it, it, the results speak for themselves. So, until uh, until these guys all get on the same page, until they get some confidence, I think that it's just going to be a work in progress. And maybe one week sooner than later it'll click. Maybe it'll take till midseason. But that's just kind of where we are right now. Um, and we got some comments about, hey, should ECU have gone to the transfer portal to get a quarterback to kind of – uh, advance this thing faster, but then you're giving up on your guys who have been in the program. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's not an ideal situation, but it's the situation ECU's in. Yeah, it's definitely the situation that East Carolina's kind of put themselves in. And you can talk at length that, oh, what if they would have gotten this guy or gotten this guy or gotten this guy. Mason had one of the best springs we've heard about. Flynn had one of the better springs we've heard about. So it, it was not for lack of understanding the offense, putting them in good situations, and anything that would kind of prove why the quarterback's supposed to be the quarterback for this team. So you can say, oh, what if we would have gotten this guy from Syracuse? Or what if we would have gotten this guy from San Diego State and whatnot? But he might not have started. Right. He might have been holding a clipboard still at this point, doing little signals on the sideline with a red hat. So it's easy to sit back on Monday morning and go, wow, 
he could have thrown that ball, but you're you're in this situation now. So the coaches have to kind of understand this isn't plug and play. This isn't okay. We have the new Holt Nailers. Let's just throw Mason Garcia in, and that's what Pirate Nation needs to remember too. Here is Holt Nailers had 70 yards against South Carolina in 2021, and we talked about that. And everybody wanted him to move to tight end. They wanted to play Mason. They wanted to play Mason immediately. <laughs> yep. So you got to give the kid a chance to have some growing pains and find his footing the same way that Holton had all these years. So either issue a public apology to Holton Nailers for all the indiscrepancies that you guys called his head for when it was the beginning of the Coach Houston era and we were going 3-9, and nine, or that year that we went 7-5 and five and went to the Military Bowl where Boston College backed out. That's another story for another day. You have to give the kid a chance to develop, either him or Flynn. And it looks right now like they're trying to lean to Mason because the ceiling is so much higher. But also the call is maybe he doesn't have it. Maybe you have to go to Alex Flynn. Maybe you have to kind of accept that, hey, this isn't the team we thought it was. We need to transition. And that's what you mentioned, where the coaches have to change their ideology. And maybe they, you know, if you look at it from a non-conference perspective, you got two more games to Mm -hmm. figure it out. So. All right, let's get our first break in. We'll come back. We will. Uh, we got a bunch of more comments from yesterday's show. We had like 100 tweets. Uh, I picked out 10 of the best without talking about firing all the coaches. Uh, so we'll get into <laughs> some of that discussion later, and uh, we'll continue this uh, fun. I will say fun, but it's not really fun talking about EC loss. We'll, we'll continue this conversation, this uh, interesting conversation with Joe Sampson. On the other side, you'll, we'll be right back. You're listening to Hoist the Colors, 94.3 The Game. Everything you need to know in the world of ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back in. Tuesday, September 12th, Joe Football. Joe Football. Joey Football. <laughs> Better than Johnny. Johnny Football is back in the studio, uh, and Philip Pilkington is producing. Uh, Panthers, Broncos, 0-1, Jets, 1-0. What a great day. Tough, tough weekend. Although, I will say, Philip and I both picked uh, against our team on the spread. You did. got it right. Mm-hmm. Or at least, I picked uh, Denver to, to win, but not cover. And at least they the, the Raiders covered and won, so that was tough. But either way, we'll get more into that discussion <laughs> Friday. I'm still terrible at college picks. Uh <laughs> I think I'm a combined two and nine now, so it's. Uh, I don't know what's worse, ECU's offense or my picks. Uh, I, oh, I don't know, but if I go to Atlantic City or Vegas, I know who I'm not inviting to go with me. Yeah, <laughs> leave me behind, man. I suck. Uh, so let's get back into ECU sports. We'll, uh, we'll we'll pick games Friday. I may just I may just take a week off. Uh, I may just watch you guys do it this week. See if I can recover. Just a self imposed ban. Yeah, y'all can bench me. Uh, I'll get the uh, the quarterback treatment. Watch from the sidelines. All right, uh, let's get into some of these comments from Twitter. We got also some some uh, comments on Facebook, YouTube. We'll get to here in a minute. Uh, I wanted to read some of these from uh, social media. We'll expand on them if we need to. Jamison Taunton says any team would find it hard to even stay at the same level of play after losing their NFL talented quarterback, NFL talented running back, NFL talented receiver. <laughs> Great receiver and NFL talented tight end, and that is only on the offensive side. That being said, Mason has been in the system long enough to be comfortable, and he also mentioned, you know, Rajay. We need to see more of him because he's kind of a mm-hmm. uh, established player. So, Jameson making the point, we all knew this there were going to be growing pains offensively, but I think right. also we we did not expect it to look um, this poorly this early. No, I mean it looks like a hornet and a tin can right now. It's just kind of bad bouncing around everywhere. 
the problem with that is, is yeah, okay, Mason's been in the system for how long and all these different things, but he mentioned it. You lose two NFL receivers. And C.J. Johnson may not have stayed around in the NFL, but he's still an NFL talent as far as it goes for production. Where is Mason throwing the ball in practice? He's throwing it to the backups or to the ones if they give him those reps. And those are completely different receivers, completely different feel, completely different concepts. And if you have Keaton Mitchell as a security blanket, I mean... This offense looks a lot better right now. Yeah, I'd love to drop back, throw him a slip screen, and watch him run 85 yards. That's just not the situation we're in yet. And I think Bond will wind up being that big threat, but I think it's too early to kind of put the force onto him, especially right. just when you've got the two talented running backs, like we said, and Marlon Gunn. We saw Gunn get very limited carries as far as being the power back and that downhill guy who just kind of moves people around and... I, I appreciate them trying to get Ra back to where he was, but he is still coming off a knee thing. And you have to kind of manage his conditioning. And people say, oh, look, he conditioned the whole summer. And at all of camp, he got all these reps. It's completely different when you're in the game. Yeah, it's a d- different ball game. And we just have not seen any of the running backs get on track. Like, we haven't seen back-to-back carries of, like, five, six yards. And play. all right, they're mm-hmm. getting some consistent push. So it's just uh, – Right now is an issue. I will, will say App State's run defense has been awful. Putrid. Game. Six yards to carry. So if ECU can't run the ball this Saturday, they got major issues. Uh, Daniel Bauer says the first half was honestly a lot of fun. I had zero issues getting water slash beer at the stadium. Crowd was into it. As a Bears fan, this Pirate offense resembles some of the helpless groups I've endured oh. watching the Bears. Seems like double trouble, no quarterback, and lack of playmakers. We touched on that. Uh, it's been a, been a struggle. Uh, the dude on Twitter says defense looks promising, but tough to hold and stop the opponent when the offense has so many short drives and three and outs. The whole offense looks like a crap show. Neither Mason nor Alex look truly cut out for the job, but it doesn't help when receivers drop half their passes. Uh, what, what do you make of the receivers right now, Joseph? Is it just, are they putting too much pressure on themselves? Are they, uh, you know, cause none of them have really been the guy before. Mm-hmm. And so are they, or is the talent just not there? What 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 are your what's your take on the receivers? The talent's there, and that's not just my bias because technically I was a big slot receiver. You are look at my LinkedIn. <laughs> the problem is is yeah we've mentioned these guys don't have the experience to be the guy, but now there's so much pressure on somebody turning into the guy that you get in your own head. You drop easy passes on the sideline. You let this one hit you in the chest because you thought you looked it in, and you start to play the way that you've been avoiding your entire career, which is hero ball. And hero ball gets you killed, and that's what they always say, is you have to go out and do your job. You have to focus on your play. And these receivers are so concerned about run after the catch or making the big play or, oh, what if I make this play and then I spin around and I go score? They don't catch the ball first, and that's not a shot at any receivers. But when you get in your own head like that and you start to not look it in and and play through the fundamentals, I mean – it really does get kind of rough, and Drew Dudzik used to always tell Blake Prohl this, and Blake was a phenomenal receiver. If you don't look it in, there's no run after the catch if you don't catch. And that's kind of where it falls into right now. We haven't caught the ball first to go run after the catch. Yeah, I mean, it's very little yak uh, No, yak. the first few games because you got to catch the ball. Yeah. Uh, so it's been tough. Come on now. Uh, and like we said, ECU's receivers rank – Dead last and receiving grade per Pro Football Focus. That's an unbiased. Well, supposed supposed to be an unbiased. Let's put air uh, quotes on unbiased. <laughs> it's not me saying it. I'll no. say that. Uh, it's not Joe saying it. It's it's an outlet that evaluates mm-hmm. game film and they make their own call. And they're saying ECU is receiving. 
pass catchers, everybody trying to catch the balls right now is, is through two games, small sample size, but not getting the job done. Yeah, it's definitely not getting the job done when statistically uh, Navy has more passing yards than you as an offense. That's, that's never uh, a good thing, tough. Stephen. That's tough. But, hey, maybe if ECU could play Wagner, they could, <laughs> could improve those numbers, though. I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. I'm, I'm sure. I mean, same thing we talked about with uh, – Oh, who was it that played Arkansas State first game? Um, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. I mean, Oklahoma only put up like 30 on SMU, but yeah. they put up 73 on Arkansas State, so their offensive numbers are inflated. Robin Smith says defense looks great. Really impressed with their aggressiveness. Garcia fits the offensive philosophy, but isn't the gamer that Ehlers was through two games. Flynn will command a different offense. Drop back versus RPO. Flynn needs to be given a shot. Go Pirates beat App. All right, so I, I said yesterday on this show, if I were the coach, which I'm not, I'm not getting paid $2 million uh, to make this call, and I would start Flynn versus App. He's a Western North Carolina kid. Mm, homecoming game. <sighs> homecoming game. You know, Mason got his shot. I just want to – I don't know if Flynn's the answer, but throw him out there, see what happens. Yeah. Where do you stand? I mean, I, I understand, too, if they want to give Mason and just ride with it and give him the next two games to figure it out. At that point, I think you'll know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you also don't want to go into conference play not knowing if Flynn's the guy either. So right. I would give Flynn a shot versus App and then maybe take some pressure off Mason, bring him off the bench. But uh, it still seems like maybe we see Mason start. Just kind of your your thoughts on that, the quarterback situation. That's where I lean. And it's no slight on anybody talent-wise. But Flynn gives you the best opportunity right now to function as an offense. And if he can come in and you score on the first two drives and you throw Mason back out there up 14 nothing, kind of like an opener when you'd use it in a bullpen game in baseball, it's a completely different dynamic for you as an offense for him to feel, okay, we got a lead. Maybe I can take a shot here. Maybe we can do a double move. Maybe we can get this post ball over the middle of the field and kind of score a quick touchdown and, and get my confidence up. So I lean to say it should be Flynn's, but also I can see it going Mason, and then the leash gets shorter and shorter until it's Alex Flynn time. All right. Uh, Pirate2031, I think this is a good question because he says, why does Flynn look so much better? If the ceiling is so much higher for Mason, how long does the experiment go? We kind of talked about this off the air, mm-hmm. Joe, and I would, yeah, like you said, like Flynn right now, he functions better probably around the whole offense. But he's kind of he kind of is who he is. Like he yeah. he could grow some more from game experience, but you know he's not gonna throw the ball 50, 60 yards downfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, on a line, do some of the things in the run game we saw Mason do. So like Flynn can go in, he can function, he can move the offense, he can do a good job. But if you could, you, you look at what Mason did in the run game Saturday, right? If you could somehow combine a competent passing offense with that. That's a really good offense, but mm-hmm. that's just the question. That's the, I guess that's the ceiling for Mason. Yeah, and that's the ceiling is that game breaking X factor we talked about in the preseason about okay, if he can throw and he can run. I mean the threat with his legs and how deep of a pass he can throw off of his back foot or across his body and, and do those hero things that we saw Ailers do so many times. The offense is fine. The offense will be fine. I mean the it, the output would be massive alone just from his ability to kind of throw the ball deeper than Holton could. And Holton had a great arm. And it's no shot on Flynn. And I've known Flynn for four years. We came in together, and he's my boy. And he's the guy who they kind of tell, oh, you're struggling with the offense? Go to Flynn. He'll teach you what to do. He knows what to do. So 
uh, I love him to death, but his ceiling is not the 45, 55-yard passes down the field over the back shoulder while Josiah Hatfield's running in stride. It's, okay, let's throw this 15-yard dig. Let's throw the 13-yard curl route, and let's keep the sticks moving. And that's fine if that's what you want to do as an offense, but it, it takes away the big playability, and it takes away that heavy shot that you're kind of hoping Mason kind of leans into and delivers a 75-yard rifle. And we still want to see Mason do that because he's thrown one pass over 20 yards mm-hmm. in two games. Look at the numbers yesterday. Flynn throws a great ball to Hatfield. First play. 39 yards. And it's like, all right, where's this been? Uh, and Mason can do it. So, like, why haven't we seen it? I don't know. I, you know, Coach Houston, I asked him last night on the coaches show, and he just said, well, we've tried to do some things, but we have a protection breakdown or the receiver runs the wrong route or yeah. Mason misses the guy. Like, it's, it just seems to be a little thing every now and then so uh just continued uh things with the offense there all right get back to more of your comments uh matt on social media says inability for receivers to create separation is concerning identifying whether that's a talent slash play call or a different issue prior to conference play is crucial i look at it as we have two weeks to experiment and fix our offensive issues or it's going to be a rough year i think that's a pretty spot on comment all the way around Completely. I mean, the separation is always the first thing you notice as far as any receiver just kind of doing what they're going to do or can they get open in these tight situations. And it's not for lack of trying. I mean, some of these defensive backs have been tremendous as far as man coverage and sitting in zone. And Michigan did an unbelievable job at kind of limiting us to getting outside and creating those releases on the outside that we like to do or we have done in the past. Marshall kind of... Uh, the we know how the refs favor opponents of East Carolina. Oh, some belt officials for that game, yeah, and so. some belt officials for this weekend. So whoever's doing the contracts for these games is not helping out ECU. I'd, I'd like a word, um, but there was a lot of tug in and push offs and, and maybe some contact at the top of the route that might go a different way had it been a different officiating crew. So you look at it, and they show the replay, and it's 15 yards down the field, and the guy is blanketing him. It's because, well, he's been holding since the five-yard line. So anytime you hold somebody, they're going to be right in your hip pocket where you want them to be. But every DB holds. That's not a slight on any DBs, but it's difficult to judge the separation of a receiver when they are holding. Uh, BLX Life says we're just not putting it all together yet. We have talent. Question is, can the coaching staff put it together by game four? And continuing the conference play, some of these guys don't aren't used to losing. He said, "Need to let Flynn pass and manage." In my opinion, by the way, if you're gonna say need Flynn to play, please spell his name right. It's F L I N N, not F L Y N N. There's an I. I. I is in win. Let's get the players' names right. If you're gonna spell Joe Sampson, if you're gonna call him out, it's not Sampson. It's Samson. I appreciate that. S-A-M-S-O-N. There's like no in the P. Bible. Yep. No P. And uh, Joe, you should be able to spell Joe. If, if not, you need to leave. No. Uh, <laughs> um, Austin, this is the, this is why I love it, man. You got BLX Life, whatever that is, saying uh, need to let Flynn pass. Austin says, I still think Mason gives us the best chance to win over the next few years, but he said it would come at the sacrifice of the season. If we want to compete for a bowl game this year, it likely can't be with Mason. All efforts need to be towards an efficient passing game with number 15. So long-term versus short-term, I mean, is that – do you feel like that's a fair take or no? No. 
the the way I say that is if you want to develop Mason and you think it's punting the season to develop him, that's fine. That's your opinion, but you can't say, oh, we'll just let him develop in the off season right. again. Yeah, like we'll, he's got to do it in games. We'll play Groundhog's Day all over again. We'll sit here exactly a year from now and go, well, you know, Mason really doesn't look that sharp in the games. He didn't get any game reps. I mean, this is <laughs> this is not a tale of, you know, maybe if we wish upon a star and we water him, he will grow. No, he's got to play football. And, you know, if you I, – I do think if you go 6-6 six and six yeah. or whatever, but you find out Mason can be the guy and he's got two years of eligibility left – and you return mm-hmm. pieces and make some adjustments this offseason, then you're set up for long-term success again. So I don't think it's a wasted year. Now, if you start Mason every game and you go 1-11 and and you figure out he's not the guy, maybe then it's a wasted year. But yeah. I think he will improve if you keep riding him. It's just going to be – it can be rough. It's trial by fire. And we joked about it in the preseason, and we were like, oh, well, you know, you kind of have to baptize him by fire and let him work this out. He's working it out. Right. It's not for lack of confidence. It's not for lack of ability. I mean, we've seen what he can do as far as with his legs and just he's a bowling ball when he runs. I mean, I don't think anybody tackled him on his first contact the entire game. Like his, his. He, he can make guys miss too. He's got a little. Yeah. Wiggle. He's a little shifty now. He doesn't look it, but he's a little shifty. He's a big physical guy in the pocket. Like he takes hits. He didn't shy away from contact by any means. And you just have to let him work it out. Nathaniel Horton says it's too early to panic. The coaching staff will have this ship straightened out soon. We've seen this exact same thing play out the past two years. Garcia needs more game reps to build confidence. We need to take more risk on offense. We've been too conservative. I think those are all fair points. Thank you, Nathaniel. Uh, Brian Ferguson says Holton was given all the time in the world to develop into a starting quarterback because he was a local kid and a fan favorite and it worked out well for ECU. Maybe give Mason some time. Play calling needs to change, though, to give the team a chance. Currently too predictable. Again, Brian, Nathaniel kind of on the same page there. And uh, this is an interesting point. We'll close on this before taking our break. Blackbeard, not the Blackbeard, not Edward Teach. But I got a, excited. A, a guy who says he is Blackbeard. He says <laughs> college football <laughs> has changed. Recruiting now takes a back seat to the transfer portal. The Pirates basically ignored it this offseason. Now the team doesn't have a quarterback. Houston has failed overall. Seven wins. Seasons aren't great. Now we will be lucky to win two this season. All right, Blackbeard. Yeah, I need to get on a soapbox with Blackbeard. <laughs> we did ahead. not ignore the transfer portal. We they may have like 18 done, guys. Yeah, we may have done a different position than what you were anticipating. I mean, we brought in six different defensive backs. I'm going to look up the number of portal players. I got. It I here. think it's 18. See, but everybody gets caught guys. up in saying we didn't do it because we didn't get a quarterback. But like I go and I were talking about yesterday, like just because you want to get a guy doesn't mean he's going to come here. Exactly. And guys go, well, you've invested in this four-star quarterback for the last three years. I'm going to sit there and, to your point, Joe, hold a clipboard with a red hat on the side. Why the heck would I transfer to East Carolina? Yeah. No quarterback wanted to transfer here. We had Ryan Stubblefield transfer out because he didn't think he was going to get his fair shake, and that's completely legitimate to do so, especially when you want to play. So I don't expect somebody to go, you know, I was a Power 5 guy for four years. Maybe I'll go play for Mike Houston and sit behind Mason Garcia for the first game. No, that's not the recruiting pitch. That's not what you want to do. So it's not that we neglected the portal by any means. Coach Houston's done a good job at understanding some of the needs for this team and going to get some of those guys. I mean, Jack Powers was a portal addition. Jay Soul was a portal addition. Gerald Green was a portal addition. These these are all just players that have kind of popped up recently. These aren't even, like, the long-standing portal guys. 17 guys they brought in from the portal this offseason. So I don't think the portal was ignored. 
you could say, hey, should they have brought in a transfer quarterback? Hindsight's twenty twenty. We talked about it yesterday. Uh, maybe so, but they they believe in Mason and they believe in Flynn. So it's like, yeah, it hasn't worked out to this point. Maybe it won't work out. Maybe it'll turn out to be a mistake. But if it does, I promise you they will get a portal quarterback this offseason if, if, if Mason can't figure it out, if Alex can't figure it out. So. Oh, I mean, any time that your livelihood is determined by 18- to 22-year-old kids, and now in some cases 25, but that's right. a different story. Or 30. Or 30. Or I think he's 32 now, our punter. I think Larson's 32. Maybe he's 31 turning 32. Hunter, by the way, too. Yeah, that's another story for another day. He did. But you can't have the indecisiveness of, okay, who's punting this week? Who's punting next week? You you have to let them get a flow and you have to let them get chemistry. And it's kind of like, okay, my two kids. Maybe I'll adopt a third because they're not living up to what I want them to be. No. You got two kids? No, I don't have to. (laughs) Money Mike does. But he's basically got. What's our roster right now? 125. So it's yeah. not like he's neglecting his children and, okay, well, let's go get the new shiny toy. He's going to let the investment try and pay off. He is Joey Football. we got to get a break in. We'll come back. We will tell you why you should not give up on the season, why the Pirates can go to App and win, and why they can turn their uh, their campaign around. We'll talk about that. We'll take any other questions you got on the other side. Hoist the colors, 94 through the game. We'll be right back. What's happening, man? What's happening? Tell me. What's happening? Every ECU fan's one stop for all things ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back in to the show. Hoist the Colors, 94.3 The Game. Um, we're going to tell you here in a second why uh, East Carolina can turn a season around. Uh, but first, we got a couple comments we got to get to. Uh, Pirate2031 says, Joe didn't play enough for us to spell his name right. Just kidding. We love Joey Football. Any uh, rebuttal there? I, I think my rebuttal to that is I have two rings, and those are the two rings from the Mike Houston era. Uh, God blessed me in many different ways. I just was not gifted enough to play in our very talented tight end room. As you've mentioned now by all these comments, the NFL tight end who is now with the Giants practice squad, Ryan Jones, Shane Calhoun. Was I going to play over him? Absolutely not. Before that, Jeremy Lewis, was I going to play over him? Absolutely not. So, you know, I'm okay with where I am. Hey, you're you're on the show, and they're not. So This is true. That's the main thing. Two rings. Main thing is the main thing. You got, uh, you got two rings. You're breaking down the Pirates. You're telling us how ECU is going to turn its season around. Um we were in the same spot in 2021. Much different team, but can it correlate? East Carolina, beaten pretty soundly in the opener in 21 by App State, mm-hmm. beaten soundly by Michigan. Week two, you come home, should have beaten South Carolina, couldn't move the ball offensively, threw for 70-something yards. Tyler Sneed had just as many passing yards as Holton Aylers that day, <laughs> and uh, everybody wanted to, to bench uh, Holton and fire Donnie. Uh, they were 0-2, going to go into a Sunbelt team, Marshall. Maybe they were Conference USA at the time. Either way, uh, now you, you get the same scenario here. I feel like it's kind of storybook. Here. It is. So I do, feel like we're do, role we reversal. Yeah, we could see a repeat. I hope it doesn't come down to 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter like it did for Marshall. But, you know, I think that this does kind of set up for a good way to kind of find your footing. I mean, the atmosphere will be there. App is always a tremendous place to play, from what everybody's told me. Obviously, East Carolina, the one 
run we had against App State was in Charlotte, and there was tons of App fans there, but it's kind of 50-50. But you kind of feed off of that, and I think the offense will find a way to kind of want to silence them early, and, and the defense always plays exceptionally well in any situation, especially when their back's against the wall, and we'll put air quotes there because of hostile environments. But I'm not, I'm not counting them out yet. So we'll get more into this matchup. I do think ECU has some things going for it. A, App coming off an emotional game. Mm-hmm. They're being told how good they played. ECU being told all week how crappy they are. Uh, you see this all the time in sports. You get the bounce back versus maybe the letdown. And I don't know if ECU can score enough to win this game, but I do think they'll be able to move the ball on App better. But you know, whether it's this week or long term, what are some of the things about this team that, that give you confidence going forward for me i feel like the defense is in place to be very good mm-hmm. like you take away five plays and i know you can't do that but you just got to correct those mistakes right and the defense i think is as good as it's been under mike houston do you feel the same way do you feel like they can you know kind of lead this team and we'll get into the offense here in a second but do you feel like the defense is good enough to have a good team i, I think the defense is going to carry this team until we can kind of work out the kinks as the offense goes and you saw how close the game was before we went into the extended rain delay and, and whatnot in the second half. And however you want to eliminate or kind of decide what factors to look at and what to not look at, the defense was outstanding. I mean, they forced long play after long play after long play. And an NFL back like Ali just kind of showed his talent and why he's, I think he's a top 10 running back in the draft by rankings coming up this year, which is just a tremendous thing to kind of talk about anyway. But, this defense is going to keep them in ball games. The special teams play is going to improve, and that'll keep them in ball games also. If Bond can kind of find his footing and hit the seam, I mean, he's got so much speed on the return that this will be a team that just kind of has to, much like the 2000 Ravens, just score 14 points. The defense will hold them. But I don't know if that's what this weekend's mindset is, but I think this defense is good enough that if you can hold them from kind of being an explosive offense, you'll always have a chance. So offensively, is it is it basically just, hey, let's commit to, and maybe this is how they tried to play it against Marshall, kind of ball control, limit the mistakes. But, you know, at the same time, you do have to score. you got to score more than 13 points realistically to win, especially in this league. You're going to have to score at least in the 20s, if not the 30s. So what gives us hope offensively? I guess for me, you still got a ton of youth gelling mm-hmm. and they should get better, theoretically, the more they play. And you should play more, not easy defenses, but more manual yeah. defenses going forward. It's week two. And as much as we want to joke about it and say, like, oh, the season's over already, it's week two. So, yeah, you would love to be sitting here 2-0, and but it is still only week two. And uh, one of the strength coaches actually called me, and he was like, yeah, until the guys turn in their pads, take their helmet off, you know, just make sure their exit meetings are, oh, oh, I'm – um, my bad. I thought the season was over the way we're talking because at the end of the day, you'd love to start 2-0, and but we started 0-2 in 2021, kind of had some closer games towards last season, too, that kind of started out, and there was no worry about, okay, can we perform at this level? Can we do these things? You just have to find your footing, and it's all about finding your offensive game plan. And with no preseason like the NFL, you really are just kind of praying your game plan was what you thought was the strength of the team because you're going against your own defense for so long. So these coaches will bounce back. They'll understand. Donnie will find something to exploit, and we'll see it early, and then hopefully they can kind of adjust to it late. But if not, it could be a long game. 
But I do think that the Pirates' offense can kind of capitalize on some of the stuff that UNC capitalized on, especially with the run game. All right, let's get our final break in. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the show. we got a couple more comments about Joe and how great he is at radio now. Now that he's retired from football, we'll talk about that. Hoist the Colors, 94-3 the game. All right, let's go. Back to Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo. the game. All right, welcome back in. Got a few minutes left. The comments section is buzzing. We got some guy named Ficky Bull saying LOL. I don't even know what he's laughing at. What a name. I guess he's laughing at you, Joe. What a wild name. Uh, some guy named Nick Sampson. Nick Sampson, 87. Good job, Joe, he says. Who's wow. that? That would be my little brother. So I, I appreciate the Sampson family trying to boost me up that these people are picking me apart. By the way, Nick Sampson, not Nick Sampson. Uh, so S-A-M-S-O-N. Yeah, spell my name wrong. Get his right. Uh, Pirate2031 says, Joe, we love you. Only joking. You are super good at this radio thing. True pro in such a short period of time. Wow. He went wow. from bashing you to now just praising you. Don't let it wow. go to your head, man. No. God, no. I'm still getting fired. And Maddie Ice says, as Joe's roommate, I personally think he could do better at taking out the trash. <laughs> Thanks for that. Clean a dish. Wow. So is y'all's, uh, y'all's place just a pigsty? No, we're just on the third floor. So nobody wants to just take out the trash, take out the trash. And That's just, fair. We'll go on the way out. So we got, uh, we got Mike Houston's press conference coming up. If you're listening to our live edition on Facebook, YouTube, we're live streaming this. If you're listening to our radio version, it, it's either happening or has already happened. Uh, we'll both be at this press conference. We had the coaches show last night. Uh, the vibe, and he didn't come out and say it, but I feel like there's a good chance we see Mason Garcia start again this weekend. Although, mm-hmm. The opposing coaching staff, they listen to all these comments. They yeah. listen to the press conferences. It's early. It could be a smokescreen. I mean, at this point, we heard last week it was going to be a two-quarterback system. We did. So I don't know what to believe anymore, uh, even as somebody who's pretty close to the program. So what do you, what do you, what do you believe in? I couldn't tell you because for the last – You don't have any sources. <laughs> yeah, God, no. For the last two weeks, I've heard all about Sam Danka getting oh, to pass rush, and I've yet to see Sam Danka pass rush once. So that's that's one. We heard the quarterback two-system thing on a serious note, and I, I think that was kind of a we, – they weren't sure who they were going to roll out yet. It was going to be a feeling, and I think it was always going to be Mason, but I don't know if they knew how quick Mason's uh, line would be as far as if they need to pull him off the stage or not. So we could hear a lot of things this week that are like, oh, well, you know, we're experimenting with some things. Could even get Raheem Jeter in. And I, I don't see Jeter playing right now, but they could want to use it to try and throw App off and, and do all these different things. And I don't want to reveal secrets, obviously. Like, we're very close to the program, and I'm sure, like, there are sources somewhere that could tell us a thing or two. But you don't want to speculate and not be correct. But I think it is Mason's team to start. I think the leash gets shorter and shorter every week. Sam Dank of four snaps last week, two pass rush attempts. Get him in. Get him on the field. Come on, Coach Carroll. third and 35, I go. Put him in. He wasn't on the field, if and that is, you gave it up. If that is not the time to send Sam Danka to pass rush, when when is the time? All right, we got to get out of here. We'll, we'll be back tomorrow, 12 noon, and uh, we'll also live stream early, 930. See you then. Steven Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Colors on 943 The Game.